without fear. My name is Esther Burke, bookwriting expert and writer. I help you overcome the fear of writing and publishing your book. I offer an online course called Believe You Can Write and I support you with one-on-one -on -one coaching. Get in touch with me if you need help and please share this podcast with a friend who you know needs to hear this episode and please review it and leave a comment on the platform you're listening to right now. And today I'm so excited to have Fia Hawks from Sweden with me. Fia is a speaker, author, forerunner for cancer survivors and an expert on stress management. She has founded two non-profit organizations in Sweden promoting cancer wellness. For the past three years, she has supported a lot of cancer survivors and caregivers go from stress to mental strength through Qigong, meditation, mindfulness, healing and coaching. Her book, Reflections, is a co-write with her late husband and is about hope, healing, facing fears and finding purpose. The book got a Book Excellence Award as a finalist in 2021. Welcome, dear Fia. So nice to have you. Thank you, Esther. Really nice to get in touch with you again and see you. <laughs> so, Fia, let's start there where have been your turning moments in life. Oh my God, I feel like I've had many different lives. <laughs> There's been a few. <laughs> uh, I had a, a whole completely different life before I, I started working as a therapist. I was uh, actually in the travel business for a very long time during the 80s. And, um, and then I had a turning point because I just really worked myself to death. It was, it was just a lot of work. I lived in many different countries. I traveled a lot and it was quite stressful, long hours. And, you know, finally my just body said, nope, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I sort of stopped. I was living in New York at that time and I stopped and I just thought, what do I do now? And I came across, I've always been sort of interested into the traditional Chinese medicine, and I came across um, acupuncture studies. So I actually started studying acupuncture and, and traditional Chinese medicine back in uh, 1989, 88, actually, I started because I, I got into Qigong, which is a, a, a self-healing practice. And um, I thought that was just like a little sidetrack that I was just going to focus on the acupuncture, but instead the Qigong has been my, you know, North Star or South Star or whatever you call it mm -hmm. uh, all through my life, because I still do it. I still do courses and, and uh, teach it and uh, use it as a, in rehabilitation. And, um, you know, so, so that was a really big turning point. That was a big turning point when I just sort of quit everything in the, in the tourism business and started getting into the wellness business. So, I mean, that's over 30 years ago now, but, but even here, I've had a lot of turning points too. And um, it was one of the biggest one. I'd already started working with 
studying, working with the cancer patients back in 2007, because I had all of a sudden friends and so, you know, many people around me that started getting cancer. And I thought, you know, how can you help them in the best way? You know, when it comes to all the other, the impact that cancer has, because it's not just, it's not physical, just for sure. You know, it's, it's psychological as well. You know, you have to deal with all the mental and emotional and the existential impact of cancer. So I, I started, you know, studying and, and, uh, took a lot of courses and, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy and neuro-linguistic programming. And I, I studied with um, a, a, a doctor in the States, Carl Simonton, with the Simonton Cancer Center. And um, so from then on, it was just like, wow, this is what I want to do. This is, this is my calling. And you talked about turning points. There was another turning point uh, about 12 years ago when I had um, uh, everything happening one week. My, my husband got a cancer diagnosis. My uh, colleague that I was supposed to start up a cancer rehab center in Stockholm died. And one of my best friends in California got a diagnosis of late stage uh, cancer, lung cancer, stage four. All of this in one week, mm. which could also, you could say that was a turning point as well. And I just, you know, I just had to, cool down for a bit and, and just take care of myself and my husband and everything. Um, and then, of course, four years ago, my husband got his, his uh, second cancer and died. Mm. It's also a turning point. So there, there are many, many turning points in my life. Um, and, every, you know, there's always something that comes out of it. You know, I mean, I think where we... When we hit, when life hits us hard, <laughs> you know, we have, uh, we can decide. We can either just lay down and, and you know, pull something over our head and, and don't want to play along anymore. Or we can just say, okay, what can I do now? Mm. And I'm kind, I'm kind of a person who says, all right, what, what's, what's up now? What can I do now? So I've always tried to turn everything that I have come across in my life into something purposeful hmm. I would say yeah I'm sorry to hear about your husband four years ago mm, when you think you. back when you think back now what helped you the most then in these sad difficult moments yeah well I I am I've been thinking about that a lot <laughs> and I am so so happy that I have a foundation uh, in Qigong, in meditation, in mindfulness, and that it has been a practice uh, all these years. Because to be able to have that core within you, you know, to, to be able to ground yourself, even how tough life is, but to be able just to find something that is like a normality in your life, like if you have a practice of something, uh, you can always go back to them and, and then you feel, well, at least I have that. I have that one thing that's stable. That's not going to be taken away from me. Uh, you know, so I think that was one of the things. And then as I've been working with this as support for caregivers and, and, and uh, cancer survivors for so many years, of course, I had a lot of tools 
uh, to work with and to help my husband with. Um, but for me, uh, what I turned to, I had friends. I had my friends uh, who were just wonderful and who helped out, you know, they, they could come like with food or uh, my sister, for example, who was a huge help. She would come sometimes and she didn't live where I lived, but she would come and, you know, have groceries, <laughs> you know. I mean, th you don't think about those things, but they are, that's a huge thing when you're at home and caring for somebody that you, that you cannot leave. Uh, you know, those are, those are the really important things. And of course, I have my, my children as well, though. Mm. um but they were ad adults so one of them lived in the same town so he he would sort of come and take care of the dog and take her for long walks as well because I, I could not be away for very long and yeah so I just made sure that I had these people around me to support and um and I was the support to my husband mm. and for your mental health during this time what what helped you the most? My, pra my practices, my qigong, my meditation, my mindfulness. Yeah, I worked a lot of the attitudes of mindfulness, the acceptance, the trust, non-judgment, you know, all of those, uh, those deeper values in, in, um, uh, in mindfulness. And uh, it really helped. And of course, with my husband, we talked so much. We had so many long conversations and I mean he when I talk about he I talk a lot about healing and uh, healing is not just physical far from it physical healing is like probably the last thing that happens if it happens um, the other you know places you really need to heal as well is is on a mental level you need to heal the emotional level and and also sometimes on an existential level and i say that my husband he definitely healed he healed on all three levels for sure um, but he did not heal on the physical level because it was too late it was already too late when they found it it had metastasized and you know it was really big and was like several places in his body so you know that that was not possible but he did heal on all those other places. And I have to say that makes a whole lot of difference because when you know that you're going to die, obviously there'll be a lot of anxiety and, and, and all of those things. But having cleared everything out, having worked everything out uh, and being able to die knowing, you know, that, there is nothing left. There's nothing left unsaid. There is nothing left undone. There is, you know, it. You just, you're fine with it. You're okay with it, uh, and to come to that acceptance, and also for the caregivers to come to that acceptance. Uh, I see many, 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 many times that caregivers, you know, of course, we don't want to let go, but showing that. It's okay to let go. It's all right. I'm going to be fine. You're going to be fine. We're all going to be fine. Think this happens to us all. And, and to die without anxiety and that stress, mm. oh, it makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things we can do if we dare to talk about it. Mm. 
Fia, I see a smile when you have been talking about the last few sentences. Yeah. It, it's a smile of relief. It's a smile of, what is it? It's, it's just it, because the thing is, when you talk about death and dying and all that, it's all very, you know, it's sad. But when I look back at those, because we got seven months from the diagnosis to his death, and when I look back at those seven months, I mean, of course, it was hard and times and we cried and, you know, all of these things. But we did so many things and we talked about so many things. And to see the change in my husband was amazing. It, it was like, oh, my God, did I just get a new husband here? And he did. He was a songwriter. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, this is my time to really, you know, put my last stamp in this world. So he managed to come out with five albums and, uh, yeah, you know, with the help of other people because he was mm. sick. But it's like five albums that, that oh. came out that are just like laying there, you know, I'll take care of that one day. Well, you know, we all know that one day might not happen mm. so that's what he did so five albums came out during that fall of mm. 2017 and also a book about songwriting mm -hmm. uh the craft of creating which is a book that he came out with that he had used you know for his students because he worked as a songwriter uh, mm -hmm. teacher as well uh and just to see that creativity and he really felt that he had a purpose and, and that's why the book the book, which is called Reflections, and it's based on his blogs because he started blogging and I wrote as well. So the book is really about his, his way of dealing with things and, and the way he looked at his cancer. And, uh, and my, I was like mirroring him you know every chapter I was like going in mirroring him and and saying what was going in my life and so on and what we talked about and, and things that could be helpful and so the subtitle of the the book reflections it's actually called a story of hope healing facing fears and finding purpose mm -hmm. and that's exactly what he did mm -hmm. I mean he had been he said my god what have I been afraid of all of my life rejections yeah got loads mm. of rejections you know you send in to publishers and it's like no this is not good enough or you know the song you know no it doesn't it sucks mm. <laughs> but it's like so what he he sort of also had a you know sense of humor at the end he would say like you know I'm not afraid to do anything now it's like what are people gonna do give me cancer sorry too late <laughs> so <laughs> I mean you know and this was the kind of thing that we laughed and talked about and so on and mm. and humor helps obviously so when I think back about the time there I mean we had so many laughs we had so mm. many good times together you know but of course you know the last last couple of weeks were hard because it's it it's it always is hard you know, he almost died five times. So it's like five times he cheated death. So it was like, you know, okay, come on now. How hard is it? <laughs> mm. so, yeah, yeah. 
And Fia, yourself, how did you heal from the death of your dear husband? I think a lot of it was during the time, uh, you know, when we had the time together, because I mean, I knew what was going to happen. So I really cherished every day. I mean, you know, we had breakfast together, we had lunch together, we had dinner together. And then at the end, you know, we ate whenever he could eat. Um, but it was like, we were always together. And so that was sort of a, a sort of a thing. But afterwards, I think people, I mean, I also uh, help people with coping strategies and skills and all that. And, and people are different. Uh, I'm the type of person who sort of dig in and, and do things. Um, afterwards, I got very, very um, organized, you know, I had to take care of things, which is one part of it. I mean, that, that's a natural thing. Uh, it's part of the grief. So I would go in, I'd do things, I would sort things out, I would get things ready and, you know, all that stuff. And then I would sit down and I would cry. And then I'd get up and then I'd do it again, <laughs> you know. And, but also the work with a book was a very good thing because he had, he had all the, he had written everything in, in a blog form. So I took all of that and I put that down and then I started putting my text in there and the editing of my text, you know, how much should I write? How much should I, you know, yeah, all of those things, you know what it's like with, when it comes, it's, it's okay to write, but then the editing comes in, <laughs> it takes a little while. So, but that was a really good thing. And, and also, I, I have to say one of my, well, both of my sons are excellent when it comes to, to the written language and, and, um, and so on. And one of them was able to take some time off and he became my head editor. <laughs> So there I was sitting with my son uh, and going through the book in detail, like editing, editing, editing. So that was also a way of both of us dealing with it because mm. he had not been that he had not been around when he was dying. My other son, who had been there all the time, we had already done our work <laughs> together. So I think it's important to be close to your family and and just work through it together and and talk about them and you know just and and lift all the the good stuff i mean we had he planned his his memorials he was american and uh you know you usually have memorials and so on so he planned his american memorial and his swedish memorial <laughs> and for both of those it was like 100 people showing up to both of those so we had 100 people in the States and 100 people in, in Stockholm. And it was filled with music and fun <laughs> and, and uh, you know, anecdotes and um, people playing, you know, live, uh, just like Brian would have liked it. <laughs> that was, it was, it was his, his memorial, you know, hey, I, I want to say <laughs> my memorial is going to be, so he did. <laughs> And it was, and it, that was also a wonderful thing to do. Extremely hard to, to to live through it, but it was, you know, looking back at it, it was it was really amazing. Hmm. 
so that was also part of, of dealing with it afterwards. Um, so the book was one thing. And then, of course, talking about it in, in um, you know, doing lectures and so on. Well, the p- pandemic sort of came in between because I had this big book tour uh, that I was going to do from New York all the way down to Florida. But of course, nothing of that happened mm. <laughs> due to the pandemic. So... Uh, but I still do. I mean, you know, being asked, I talked about I talk about the book and I talk mm. about the lessons yes. because this is really not just it's not really about me and Brian. It's the lessons of how do you deal with a terminal illness? How do you come to acceptance? How do you face your fears? How do you how do you make sense out of everything? Mm. And yes, let's talk about this. If someone reaches out with can- a cancer patient mm, mm. or a caregiver what do you mm. tell them first or or what do you ask them first what i ask them well i i listen a lot mm. i listen a lot i make sure that i can hold a space for them holding space is extremely important i think i think uh, it's a forgotten art <laughs> um and especially when it comes to when you're trained in so many different things, and I'm sure I've been guilty of that too, you train in, in sort of all the different modalities and you think, oh, this is what, this is, this is the thing. <laughs> and what, what it really is all about is just to sit down and be there for that person. And whatever comes up, that's what we need to address. Because uh, it's not about me, it's about them. And if it doesn't come up, and it usually doesn't, uh, because they don't, the, the, the word acceptance is a very loaded word. Uh, so that is one of the words I usually uh, talk about. I ask, what does acceptance mean to you? Because it can mean a lot of things to different people. Uh, when you hear acceptance, you can say, no, I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to accept that I have cancer. Are you crazy? Yeah, but is that what acceptance mean? If you go deeper, what can it also mean? Can it mean something different? Can it mean that, ah, okay, I I'm faced with a diagnosis and I have to accept that, that I'm faced with it. Now then what can I do? You see the difference there. It's like you, you can't fight something that's, that's a fact that's right there. But one, if you accept the fact, then you have options. Otherwise, all your energy goes to fighting the mm-hmm. fact that you have cancer. And what would be the next question? Well, I, I, it, it really depends on them because I, I do listen a lot. But I mean, when it talks to about I usually talk because you talk about fear as well. I mean, there's there's fear of illness, but there's fear of things like, oh, can I do this? Can I write a book? I mean, you know, it's like, who am I to do that? Um, but I think th- these are some of the things that I, that, that I think are important. So because most of the time, fear and any type of fear, they hold us back from seeing a very clear picture. We just see this big fear, this big whatever we see it as. And and we can't really take a helicopter view. You know, we can't rise above it. So being able to to face it, 
to take the time to look inside, um, to evolve and, and to grow with the situation. I think that's important as well. And as I said, the acceptance means just to acknowledge where you are right now, nothing else. Mm. It's, not, it's not accepting things. It, it's like it's acknowledging this is where I'm at right now. Mm. What can I do from here? And also one of the things that I talked a lot with my husband about was that look at what you can do instead of all the things you cannot do. <laughs> because it's where we put our attention, where we put our focus. If you go in and say, because it, he couldn't do much. I mean, he was really quite sick. We were lucky to be able to take a little walk. I usually try to take him on a walk every day. Uh, and that was wonderful because he could do that. There were a lot of things he couldn't do. And same goes for me and you. I mean, we could sit and get really miserable about all the things we cannot do in life because this and that. But look at what we can do. That's amazing. And we, and we sometimes forget that. And then another thing was also to, to focus on living instead of not dying. Mm -hmm. That's a really big shift. Um, he was really struggling with that for a long time. And he woke up one morning, like drenched in sweat. It's like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die, you know? And of course, you know, nobody wants to. Uh, and then he sort of, and we had a long talk about this. And then he sort of just realized that, you know, what am I afraid of? It's like, everybody's going to die. You know, it's, it, it, we don't know when. And then he's got this little epiphany and, and he said, well, it's not about, you know, I'm not, I don't want to die. It's about, I want to live. So he woke up each morning instead. It's like, hmm, I want to live. And today I'm alive. What am I going to do today? Huge shift. Such a really big difference. It's a huge difference. Hmm. So those are the things that are very deep and fundamental and, and all that. Fia, if you want to give some advice or some help to people who are suffering now, who don't know how to get over all the challenges around illness and whatever, it doesn't have to be cancer, it can be another issue. Mm, mm. What, what would you, with all what you learned through all this hardship, what would you give the three lessons? Oh my God, three lessons. <laughs> <laughs> Very hard. Well, first of all, because the, the fear is what stops us. You know, fear is always number one. Fear stops us. And just start looking at the fear and maybe just getting help with doing that whether it is from a family or a professional or whatever because when you when you don't deal with that and you just sort of put it away you know it's like pretend it's not there it's just gonna come back even harder you know so always always have to look at that um, and usually once we start looking at it it's really not that bad it's it's in our imagination that it becomes even bigger and worse than it actually is. So that, that is one thing, always uh, looking at the fear. And also um, hope, 
having hope is extremely important. Uh, I usually talk a lot about placebo and nocebo. Uh, <laughs> placebo being the um, uh, sugar pill, as, as most people talk about it. But it's really our own body's response to what we want to have happening. We have so many things in our body uh, that, that can really help us if we just activate it. And we know that stress is one of the factors that are really uh, sort of dismantling our, our immune system. So, I mean, I've been working with stress management for, for over 30 years. And so that's like one of the big things too. So facing the fear, having a look at that, also taking care of the stress, um, hope, is is really important so i guess those are the type of things oh and i'm also have to say finding purpose you know finding a purpose in life uh whatever that is planting your garden uh taking care of grandchildren uh starting up a nonprofit organization that i've done a couple of times uh you know just whatever but just something that feels purposeful yeah. Mm. <laughs> Thank you so much, dear Fia. Thank you for sharing your story and your lessons learned. And yes. Thank you, Esther. It was really nice <laughs> talking to you again. Mm. <laughs> And thank you so much, dear listener, for helping to spread the word about this podcast and helping those who need to hear these messages. Have an amazing day. Bye.